0: This is episode 71 of Roy's Rocket Radio recorded on March the 2nd, 2015. And the time is now 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, first of all, I'd like to give a belated St David's Day greeting to any listeners in Wales. The second thing I'd like to do is apologise for the lateness of this podcast. I was actually supposed to record this yesterday, and in fact, I did record this yesterday. The only problem was, (laughs) I was so tired and ill and a bit dozy that it sounded terrible. Um, So I'm hoping it sounds less terrible this afternoon. Now... If you looked at my blog and my podcast page, you might have seen a support this podcast type thing with a button where you could uh, send me a very small amount of money. Now, I've taken that off because it's not as simple as it looks. Um, According to PayPal... Only registered charities are allowed a donate button, so I couldn't use that. So I did think, well, maybe people can pay directly to me. Well, no, they can't. For a start, you need a business account. Uh, And then, if the amounts are too small, it's hardly worth doing anyway because of the cut that PayPal takes. So this kind of left me with uh, no real way of um, accepting uh, small tips. So, I've, I've given up for now, but I'll, I'll think about this again sometime. Uh, oh, and the other thing I should say, if anyone out there is thinking of putting uh, Like A Donate thing on their blog or podcast, just be careful. Um, if you aren't a registered charity, uh, PayPal can withhold payment. Um, and the other thing is... Uh, Tips and gratuities, depending on which country you're in, and I think in the UK it it is um, the case, uh, are taxable. (laughs) So that's just yet another added bonus. So great, I'll I'll have to think of how to sort this out. But for now, uh, yeah, just forget about it. Next, podcast stats. We are really having, or or February was the best month I've ever had for podcast downloads. I checked yesterday uh, just for the whole month of February. I changed my uh, AW settings so I could, AW stat settings so I could check that. And the results are that, well, briefly, uh, 1,345 hits with. 59.58 59.58 gigabytes downloaded, which is absolutely humongous. It's about double the previous month um, and double the month before that, and it, it, the, the rate of increase hits is enormous. Um, so thanks for listening. The next bit of news, uh, sad bit of news really, is a couple of days ago, of course, Leonard Nimoy died, and as well as playing uh, Spock on Star Trek, uh, the other roles that I remember him from are, he was like a master in disguise in the original uh, Mission Impossible show. Uh, I didn't really watch many of those, but I do remember liking him in that. Um, The other thing that I really did like him in, though, was that film from the 70s, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the version with Donald Sutherland, if you remember. Leonard Nimoy played a kind of creepy uh, celebrity psychiatrist. So... It's a bit sad to see him pass um, Apparently he was quite ill um, And I know a lot of people will miss him My, my dad has said he'll miss him uh, A friend of mine, Brian Who initially told me that Leonard Nimoy had died On the very day that he had died Was also feeling a bit sad And uh, now it's kind of rubbed off on me And I'm feeling a bit sad um, But I suppose what we can do is remember him for his work and appreciate the Spock that he was. Uh, Now, next, writing. So, this is a new section that I'll try and include each week now, as I start to write more and more. On Sunday, I was supposed to release my first Kindle single, and that would have been, uh, as all my Kindle singles Plan to be uh, a 5,000-word piece of fiction. Uh, the first one I was supposed to release uh, was going to be called, uh, well, it is titled Sea Glass on a Sealess Shore, and it's a psychological contemporary horror story. Uh, I've not talked about this much, I think, in any podcast before, but That is actually ready to go. The only problem is publishing a Kindle single is pretty easy, but there are a few prerequisites. Now, one of them is that you have a decent cover. Uh, You can pick from a selection of pre-made covers uh, for Kindle singles, but to be honest, they don't look very distinctive. They're not bad or anything, but they just don't seem to be relevant to the story that I'm writing. So my thought was, I wanted to photograph my own cover. Now the only trouble is, I don't have any gear. I've got a digital camera, a very old digital camera, um, but I've got no way, no tripod, um, no light cube, nothing like that. So it's all going to be a bit Heath Robinson, but I'll give it my best shot. Like I said, the story is finished. <laughs> I just need to do the uh, the cover. And perhaps just one more proofread just to make sure there aren't any mistakes. Although I've read it about 15 times now, and, <laughs> and so, so have other people. But you never know how things creep in. Uh, even in the books that you get in the shop, you'll often find there are mistakes that make it pass all the editing, proofreading and printing. So I I, I want to minimise the chances of errors like that. Um, so that should be done in a couple of days. Uh, the other story, well, there are several stories that I want to get out on Kindle singles. Um, but the, the one I'm working or that I was working on just a, a few minutes ago in fact, is a reworking of a piece of uh, what well, almost flash fiction that I wrote for Star Adventurer magazine a few years ago. If you remember that, back to that, it was like um, uh, my attempt at an online fiction magazine. I had a few writers, but I started to feel bad because I couldn't really pay anyone, couldn't even pay myself, so I closed it in the end. The original story that I submitted... uh, Well, I submitted several to, to that magazine. I submitted several to myself, I should say. Um, one of them was a fantasy story called The Black Tower. Now, it was only a thousand words long, and to be honest, it, needed, it, it just needed more work. So I'm currently rewriting that. Uh, the title of this story will be, co- be Kobar colon, The Black Tower of Darak Seymour. Now, yeah, and of course that, that is a very sword and sorcery type title, um, so I hope it's uh, evocative of that kind of thing, which is what I'm aiming for. Um, now if you remember back to Christmas, I wrote an interactive fiction game called Rider in the Mist. Um, now. What I'm going to do with that is I'm going to turn it into a prose version of the game. Now the game itself is about 10,000 words but I've got to cut it down to about 5,000 and I'll release it as a straight piece of, again, sword and sorcery fiction. Cobar, The Black Tower, Derek Seymour and Rider in the Mist are related but they they can stand on their own as separate ple- pieces of work. Um, they can also be read in either order, it doesn't really matter. But if you're really concerned about those things, in my mind, I think *Rider in the Mist comes first, and *Kobal the Black Tower of Darat Seymour comes second. Let's see, is there anything else I'm ready to write right now, talk about... Riding the Mist, Cobar, Seaglass. No, that's about it. Apart from the fact that I'm also editing that novel that I finished last year, I'm on to chapter three now. And it's 80 chapters long. It's already written, but it it really does need a rewriting, so I'm doing that as well. There is also another horror story And another science fiction story uh, that I also wrote for Star Adventurer magazine, which also needs to be beefed up into something uh, that's worthy of submission to uh, as a Kindle single. But I'll talk about that in a future podcast. Incidentally, I have been doing my research. Uh, If you listen to my podcast, you'll know I'm a fan of old-school sword and sorcery, so that would be something like Robert E. Howard. And then I'm also a fan of kind of 70s new-wave sword and sorcery, like the work of, uh, well, people like Alan Moorcock. But given that... I've now got a contemporary audience. I thought maybe I should read something a bit more model, modern, so I flicked or flitted through a bit of George RR R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones. Um, I'm also reading Joe Abercrombie's Best Served Cold. Uh, now, my fiction is different, definitely, which is good. It means I've got my own voice. Uh, it's also shorter. Uh, And to the point, if you pardon the pun. um, And my characters are fairly unusual. I don't think they're unique, but I I haven't really uh, seen a protagonist like the character uh, in my two stories quite yet. So if you do decide to read these stories let me know what you think um, I do appreciate the feedback uh, on pricing uh, the minimum you can charge I think for um, a Kindle single if my memory is correct is 99 pence uh, given that these are short pieces of fiction 5000 words that, that is the price that I'll be charging which of course means that I get a smaller royalty um, so, don't think that I'm making a huge profit or anything off your backs, because I'm not. Uh, next. Ah, oh, the last thing in my writing section. I've been having problems with my chair. I've got one of these sturdy uh, and quite well-made IKEA swivel chairs, but it's one of the cheapest ones, It's and it's solid plastic and while it's good for occasional use it's absolutely awful if your job is writing which means sitting in a chair for 8 hours a day every day uh, sometimes a lot more than 8 hours too uh, so what i'm looking or what i'm uh, i'm looking out for at the moment is a better chair uh, which means uh, when i have time hitting the second hand shops I hope I'll do that soon, because I don't think my back can take it much longer. The other thing I've noticed, and I don't think this is related to writing, although I thought it was at first, is my eyesight's getting awful. Um, Now, it is quite... uh, to be honest, it was quite a while since my last eye test... Uh, So eventually my my eyes were giving me so much trouble that I did go to the optician and I did have another eye test. And it turns out the reason my eyes are hurting and and bothering me so much is because my prescription has changed substantially over the last two years. Uh, So hopefully if I get some time I'll be able to get over to the optician and get some new glasses. Uh, but yeah, if if you're writing, that's the last thing you want. Uh, I did read something on the internet about glasses being uh, more, more people are being prescribed glasses than ever before. And the reason for that is, uh, it's basically the, the rise of tablets and mobile phones. Because now almost everyone has at least a mobile phone, many, many people have tablets, and many people are spending more hours on the computer, it's starting to become more noticeable uh, when your eyesight eyesight starts to fail. So I don't think society at large is just getting worse eyesight, you know, that we're we're devolving into moles or something. I just think people are noticing more now. Um, so if your eyesight is bothering you, try getting down to the opticians. It's it's worth it. Um, and, of course, there are other things that can make your eyes hurt. Uh, and it's good for the optician to look at your eyes to, to rule out slightly more serious things. So, that's it for my writing section this week. And on to some movies. Now, because of all the guests we've had over the past few weeks which has been brilliant, but it it has meant that we haven't really been talking about any of our regular things, and I I really don't remember the last time we talked about Doctor Who, and unfortunately we won't be talking about Doctor Who this week Uh, in fact next week we won't be talking about Doctor Who either, because I've got another guest I think, Uh, or at least I'm hoping Uh, so But unfortunately, yeah, the the Doctor Who marathon is on yet another hiatus. Uh, But hopefully we'll get back to that as soon as possible. Uh, In the meantime, though, I have watched some movies. Uh, The last movie... uh, Actually, the last movie I watched was Jupiter Ascending. Uh, But before that, I watched the... And I watched that, I think, on on demand TV. So that would have been one of the channels. I honestly can't remember whether it was iPlayer, uh, 4OD, or ITV Player. But it was on one of the main channels in the UK, and that was The Internet's Own Boy from 2014. This is a documentary about the young computer expert and programmer Aaron Schwartz. Now, I found, found this particularly interesting and informative um, about a number of things. Uh, first of all, just being a nerd in general, uh, being precocious or, or uh, maybe having talents other people don't have, and, and it did explore that aspect of things. Um, but also, uh, and more importantly, probably for issues of copyright, um, Particularly because the thing that Aaron Schwartz unfortunately was famous for was for downloading um, the JSTOR uh, database, or at least a, a partial download of the JSTOR database. Now, JSTOR is an academic database that, if you've, uh, if you're at university. Um, and especially if you're in a postgraduate degree program with any components of research, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. JSTOR is like a vast repository of academic information. Um, when I was still doing my uh, archaeology degree, I r- used this almost daily, well, more than daily. And it is, uh, you know, absolutely uh, indispensable. Unfortunately, JSTOR is copyrighted material, which is somewhat curious because a lot of the papers are very old. I I mean, I I reference, I cited papers back from, you know, the 1900s. And yet these things are still copyrighted. And... Jason Schwartz's point of view was that many things were unfairly copyrighted and without uh, access to JSTOR which is usually through a degree program on the university otherwise I think you can pay for it externally um, there is no way to get this information which he believes should have been shared more equally now I can I can vouch for that On a personal level, because I have heard of people from other countries uh, wanting... uh, uh, People that I've known who were maybe working on a postgrad and coming to the end of their postgrad and thinking, oh, well, now that I'm finishing my degree, what's going to happen? I'm going to go back to work and I won't have access to JSTOR. And that's not really fair. Um, And I kind of agree with that point of view. But anyway, Aaron did this partial download and was arrested. Um, And it turned into a big kind of example case that the US government seemed to want to make uh, using this guy as a scapegoat. In the end, the pressure uh, was so much on Schwartz that he eventually killed himself. Uh, So, a really horrible ending to a documentary, but definitely worth watching. Definitely worth watching if you have, you know, just in general, if you're interested in copyright issues especially, and if you're an academic. So, definitely recommended viewing. That's The Internet's Own Boy 2014. Uh, Also, you can see another film called Citizen Four, um, I'm not sure where that's available at the moment, whether that's on demand or not. But I did talk about uh, Citizen Four, which is a story of uh, a documentary about Edward Snowden, the uh, WikiLeaks uh, one of the WikiLeaks guys, uh, not guys. Uh, well, sorry, one of the um, uh, the guys, the, the guy who revealed all that stuff about uh, mass surveillance. That's it. Got to get my facts straight. Now, I did talk about this in podcast number 67, so if you want a brief overview of that, go back and download podcast 67. Next, Jupiter Ascending, 2015. Now, this is the latest uh, big movie from the Wajorskis. Um If you listen to the podcast, you'll know I'm a big fan of theirs. Um, but this film, and I, I hate to say this, but it's, it's, it's pretty pants. Now that I've got that out of the way, let, let me talk about the good things about it. Now, although the, the dialogue and the uh, script is, it, it is not good, um, well, the dialogue's not good, the script's not terrible, the directing script, um, but the execution isn't good. Uh, But what is good? The CGI is great. The CGI and the VFX. I thought the... This is a big space opera type film. And the space scenes with the ships and the planets and the the fighting um, is absolutely spectacular. So even if you... (laughs) even if you have to go and see this film and think, oh, yeah, it's not a good film um, if you want uh, to watch something visually spectacular uh, go and see this just turn turn your brain off for the duration um, I did find the plot itself uh, to be honest, I've seen this plot before um, probably in lots of other science fiction, but what I remember, uh, part of the central plot seems to be very, very similar to an episode from Babylon 5, Um, and if you want the specifics, I'm talking about Babylon 5, Season 1, Episode 9, Death Walker, uh, which starred Sora Douglas, who also played Ursa in Superman 1978. So she's played a bad person in two big sci-fi franchises. Um, but that's a bit of a tangent. And if you do go back to that episode, you'll see what I mean after watching this movie. There are close parallels to that kind of uh, plotline. line. Now, Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis, who are the main stars in this... Um, I should say, uh, okay, so Mina Kunis plays um, a cleaner, who it turns out is actually the empress of the entire universe. Um, Channing Tatum plays her kind of protector, and eventually her Prince Charming, I suppose. Uh, And both these actors really do their best. I'm always impressed by their acting in anything they do, and they definitely try and make the best of what is fairly awful material. But even their best doesn't really elevate it that much. Um, but like I said, the the you know it is good to look at. So I at least have to give the Vojoskys that, and I do really hope that they do better next time, and I'm sure they will. Next, I saw Birdman, 2014. I thought it was pretty good. It gave a kind of insider's look at theatre. It gave you... A good insight to being consigned to, uh, but, well, being a has-been, someone who was once famous and is no longer famous. I thought the acting from Michael Keaton was really great, really great, and also Edward Norton, of course. Um, it, the The dynamic between them, uh, the older guy, uh, having to. Having to actually learn from the more talented younger guy was quite interesting um, now, the obvious parallel is that Birdman reflects michael's keaton, michael keaton 's experiences on the Tim Burton Batman franchise, but apparently Michael Keaton has said the movie is not in any way autobiographical. But, you know, you do have to wonder. Still, uh, given that Michael Keating's acting is good, it is a a welcome and great return to the big screen for Keaton. Um, Now, the things I didn't like were, I found the drumming a little bit annoying. It wasn't infuriating, but it was annoying, and it did seem to be unnecessary. I think they got the idea of putting the drumming in there has a uh, there's a word for this in cinema. But I can't remember what it is, but has a an audio motif to to help the flow through the movie. But it did exactly the opposite. It was quite distracting. The other thing is, there is a subtitle to this movie, and it's called, so the full title of this movie really is Birdman or, bracket, The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, close bracket. Now that really is a terrible, terrible subtitle, and I know exactly why they've put it in there. It's... A bit like the case of John Carter where they took out John Carter of Mars uh, because it sounded a bit nerdy. Um, in this case, they added that subtitle to make the film, again, sound less nerdy and more arthouse. And let me tell you, I'm as an audience, I'm not that stupid. You know, We've seen plenty of trailers for Birdman and it is quite obvious from the trailers that it is an art house movie and you don't need to put in that (laughs) ridiculous um, piece of hipster nonsense into the title. Uh, Okay, so that's it for movies this week. And now I've got another section that I've jammed into my podcast this week called Genre. Genre. this is where I explore, uh, like, an, uh, a topic of a genre, um, but without limitation to a particular form of media. So, this week, I wanted to recommend a few books and movies uh, where identity is uh, the key topic. Now, it's always been a thing in genre in general. Um, I've talked about uh, films like The Man Who Haunted Himself, uh, starring Roger Moore from the 70s, and I think it's Jesse Eisenberg, is it, who played in The Double? Um, and there, there was also The Prestige, uh, the movie about those magicians and doppelganger- gangers, also written by science fiction author, uh, well, the book was anyway, Christopher Priest. Uh, so there's, you know, it has a tradition in uh, genre fiction, but the three uh, IPs that I wanted to talk about, IPs, it's uh, a horrible word, products, uh, products, things, that I wanted to talk about this week um, was, first of all, well, three things, um, let's see, a book and two films. Now, the first is a book called Michaelmas, from 1977. This is a book by Algis Budry, the Lithuanian-American author, uh, now sadly deceased. Um, and the reason that identity is the topic this week is I found this very same book a few days ago at my local secondhand bookshop. The reason I picked it up is because I've had this book before. It was... I had the Golarz hardback um, that went over with me from the UK to Canada, and then when I couldn't afford to bring everything back, stayed in Canada. So it was such a good book that the moment I saw it on the shelf, although it is only the paperback version I have now, I bought it immediately. So, in Michaelmas, um, we have a world that is run by an AI created by a journalist. So, when you think about my background, uh, there is no way that I could not fail to not love this book. Um, the other things that are in this book are things like alien conspiracy, communications tech... Um, and cool AI, AI in the form of uh, a kind of pre Siri type robot called domino oh, sorry robot uh, computer system slash program called domino now the main plot of the book and the reason the the main the other reason I find this book so interesting is it centers around. The reappearance of an astronaut who was thought to have been killed in a in some kind of um, space accident. Anyway, this guy turns up, and it immediately rings uh, alarm bells in the journalist's uh, mind. And we follow f- through the book this um, g- gradual, growing conspiracy. Um, so the next thing that i wanted to talk about was a film from 1973 called who question mark Um, interestingly enough this movie was based also on an algis budry novel uh, from 1958 of the same name it stars, amongst other people, Elliot Gould, um, and in this movie, an American scientist is disfigured in horribly disfigured in a terrible accident in East Germany. Uh, so this is a time during the time of the Cold War. He is treated with cutting-edge technology um, and saved by. Uh, basically cybernetic rebuilding. The sting in the tale, or the twist in this story, is that when he's returned to the West, no one can tell if it's the guy who had the accident in the first place, or whether he's now... um, He's just a plant, a double agent, because um, such is the extent of his rebuild, that even his face is is no longer recognisable. Um, And the third thing that I wanted to talk about was a movie called The Ground Star Conspiracy from 1972. Uh, This stars George Papad and Michael Sarrazin with a very similar plot to Who, um, except this time... um, A scientist is suspected of having bombed a top uh, research laboratory. But after the accident and after his treatment, he now apparently can't remember anything. And it's up to the investigator to find out what happened. So in each of these uh, books and films, we have... A protagonist who's either the investigator. Well, in in Michaelmas it's the journalist. In who it would be Elliot Gould, uh, an age a government agent of some kind. And in the Groundstar conspiracy, I think we see things more from the suspect's point of view, played by Michael Sarazin, Although George Papad does have a large part in the movie too. So you've generally got two main characters playing off each other, one trying to figure out who the other one is. Sometimes uh, the person whose identity is under suspicion also isn't sure uh, who he is himself. Um, So these are all very interesting and very um, engrossing uh, types of topic to immerse yourself in. all three are, are really... They are science fiction, but there's definitely a good um, dose of the, the thriller genre in there too. So, you know, add a bit of paranoia, um, and these are definitely uh, interesting things to uh, spend some time with. The movies aren't too long, and *Michaelmas*, being a book from the 1970s also isn't that long. Um, So that was back in the good old days when uh, paperbacks were only roughly 200 pages long (laughs) and not 600 page monsters that they are today. So that's it for exploring identity and genre. If you've got any other movies or books uh, that also uh, talk and play with the concept of identity and the fluidity of identity, uh, just let me know. It'd be nice to talk about them. Uh, now, we're almost near the end. I've just got a few things to talk about technology and then we're done. Uh, so, the first thing is really a bit of me moaning, um, and it's those Facebook ads. Have you seen those? They're, they're driving me bananas. Uh, the ones where they have that uh, teenager uh, well a teenager voice you know it could be could be the voice of an eighty year old but you, you don't know um, trying to t- trying to make the audience feel warm and fuzzy about facebook um, now i don't have i'm not anti facebook or or anything but I get almost zero social interaction from Facebook. And so for me personally, no matter what they say in these adverts, it's not going to make me interact more with Facebook. Um, And I'm not about to help them make more money from ads. you know, it's their right to do so, but I don't use Facebook that much. So, I don't know. And and the other thing is, um, I'm getting the impression that Facebook isn't that cool. Um, come to think of it, I'm starting to get the impression Twitter isn't that cool anymore. Um, so maybe this is the first signs of of panic. Um, and they're trying to get people reinvested in Facebook, but f- but for me personally I, I I do like new tech, and Facebook now seems old. Um, so anyway, I'll stop hounding Facebook for now. The next thing is Mars one. So just a few days ago it was announced by the Mars One project that the first 100 had been chosen. Now, if you throw your mind back to Mars One, Mars One is a commercial project to build a permanent colony on Mars. Um, I'm not sure if it was a Kickstarter uh, project or not, but anyway, they've they've chosen the first 100. The 100 will eventually get whittled down to 24, and the 24 will be the final crew that do end up going to Mars and attempting to settle there. Now, why not applaud those signing up? Uh, and, yeah, well, it you know, I, I'm quite admiring of people who have done this. But I've had a look at the 100 that have been chosen out of, the, I think, quarter of a million or so people, uh, initial candidates. And while I don't want to sound negative, I looked um, at that list, and a lot of them seem very young. Uh, Now, young doesn't necessarily mean naive or inexperienced or incapable of doing anything. But... And at the risk of sounding like, you know, like a miserable old git, that that's, I'm not too confident that, that the people in that hundred have fully comprehended uh, the you know the massive undertaking <laughs> that they're um, ab- about to uh, attempt to to do. Um, f- for example, it this is a one-way trip. Um, and there are multiple, multiple ways of dying during the trip. You know, during takeoff, uh, during tr- well, during training, during takeoff, during the flight to Mars, um, which of course is is way further than the moon. Uh, during the hazardous landing on Mars, because Mars does have an atmosphere, unlike the moon, you can't just. Um, well, it, it it's more difficult than the moon, which is uh, almost vacuum. Uh, Mars is not a vacuum, so there there are dangers of re-entering an atmosphere. Um, and then, if you finally do get to Mars, you've got to stay there forever. Um, so it's got to work. If something goes wrong, there's no there's no way to get help, and you've had it. Now, hopefully, when the group is whittled down to the, the final 24, that final 24 um, will be tougher, uh, will be really, really resourceful and good at solving problems. And I think it's going to sound ageist again, but I hope they're older. I don't think it's a good idea sending really young people there. Not um, Not yet. Now, after saying all that, I've got to admit something. When I heard that the first hundred had been chosen, I thought, blimey, Mars One have finally got their act together and it's going to happen. Uh, so what I did is I signed up for the newsletter. And now I'm also thinking, if there's a second round of selection, I might put my own name down on the list. Uh, Admittedly, it's, you know, it's highly unlikely i will ever be picked, but I'm definitely thinking of signing up. And I've heard from some people who have told me maybe I'm better off off-planet anyway. <laughs> so thanks for that. Uh, and that's it for the podcast this week. Again, apologies for the delays. Um, I, I was returning to a Sunday schedule, because Sunday night is extremely quiet, which means less noise on the audio track that I'm taping. Um, but it's not too bad managing to finish it on Monday afternoon, um, because the last few weeks I've been doing it Monday night, releasing on Tuesday. So today, hopefully, I'll be able to release tonight. Um so that's really it. hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, be sure to download again uh, next week. Uh, might be a guest. If not, if we'll have to think of something else and maybe I'll do some Doctor Who. Um, but that's it for now. Thanks for listening. This was Rise Rocket Radio, episode 71, recorded on Monday the 2nd of March 2015 and the time at the end of the podcast is uh, it's just coming up to quarter to four so it's 15.44 now thanks for listening, bye